0: That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk.
1: All right, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. And let me be the first to wish you a happy Valentine's Day, or as I like to call it, man guilt day here in 2024. Hope you had a wonderful day with your your favorite person, be it one of two legs or maybe four legs, or maybe a, it's a fish. Maybe your choice for Valentine's Day was hanging out with a fish or a bird. Whatever the case may be, we hope you were happy with that thing or person. We are at the Neville Arena at Auburn. Huge game tonight, national implication, South Carolina and Auburn. Number 11 Gamecocks, number 13 Auburn. First time they've ever met as ranked teams together. This is a beautiful arena. It's about nine years old, and Auburn is really, really tough to beat at home. They've only lost to a ranked team here one time in their nine-plus seasons, undefeated this year at home. Nice home-winning streak going back to last year. They call it the jungle. It'll be packed, it'll be loud, and we are high atop it here at the Neville arena it is like I said a beautiful arena nice message band around uh, the interior part of the arena and beautiful colors of orange and blue representing the Auburn Tigers very nice uh, you know for a a big school like Auburn but where basketball has fit in here over the years 9000 seats they felt like that was really all they need right across the street they've got 80000 seat Jordan-Hare Stadium and this uh building sits on Heisman Street here at Auburn, which if you didn't know any better, if you weren't paying attention driving in here on 85, you would have thought you had turned into Clemson. They're so similar, except as we like to say, Auburn is Clemson minus the lake, right? But anyway, uh, we're happy to be here. Of course, Clemson's got a big one tonight as well at home against Miami as the Tigers continue to uh, work on what they've got going on, which is a very nice two-game winning streak from last week with wins on the road at North Carolina and Syracuse. So we're going to talk all about that tonight. Uh, 6.35, though, we'll talk baseball. Gary Gilmore in his final season as the head baseball coach at Coastal Carolina will join us to preview the shots for this coming season. Looking forward to that. In some way, looking forward to talking baseball as Chris Bergen joins us from the Berge Palace. But then again, Chris... Kind of sad. It'll be our last season opening interview with Gary Gilmore after all these years.
2: One of the legends in the sport stepping away. And how about this from a coastal perspective? This athletic season, they will have lost Cliff Ellis as men's basketball coach and then will ultimately lose Gary Gilmore as head baseball coach. You want to talk about two of the legendary coaching names, and just not in our state but across the country, is going to have to replace both of them in the coming weeks and months. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a shame because Gary Gilmore, not only is he an excellent baseball coach, he's just a good person. And he's so much fun to chat with and talk about his team. He'll tell us how rotten they are. <laughs> They're not nearly as good as the preseason rankings. I'm telling you, this Coastal team could be extremely good, especially offensively. I don't know how you're going to get them out. And if they get some pitching, and he announced a few injuries for guys on that pitching staff today, but if they can find a way to get enough pitching to surround that offense, this is a team that could contend to go to Omaha.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, of course, the thing he's been battling personally with his cancer and his continued very brave fight against Mm -hmm. that. And, uh, you know, there was a time there that there was reason to be uh, concerned. I guess there's always reason to be concerned, but he and his doctors in Houston, they've worked out a plan for him to – extend everything for as long as they as long as they can so far so good with with all that he'll give us an update you know he's very open in talking about what he's had and how he's been treating it so we'll get an update from him on that uh and then no john combs tonight coach combs is at a playoff game tonight the playoffs continuing around the state first round action he's up at Malden, so he's not going to be able to be with us tonight so we will miss him but we will hear From uh, somebody you're familiar with, as we had those interviews with the Gamecock transfer football players last week, and one of the players we sat down to talk with was Jared Brown, who is coming from Coastal Carolina, wide receiver uh, out of Georgia, and a guy that Coastal Carolina, Chris, caught a lot of passes, has really good speed. And Gamecocks, I think, kind of see him, if I can speak for them, maybe like an Amerian Brown type. Not a big guy, but a guy that fits in the slot. And you can run him in motion or do things with him and let him use his speed to get open.
2: Debo Samuel uh, comes to mind, maybe not the height that Debo has, but a a guy that can run the football as well as be a wide receiver. And you take Nick Harbor off the field, he may be the fastest guy in that receiving core. So I think he's a great addition for the Gamecocks. Hated to see him go from Coastal. Certainly happy to see him stay in state, though, and be able to play for USC. And I think he'll be a nice addition to that wide receiving room, and he'll make an impact. He really will. He really will. He's got the talent to step on an SEC field and, and be a player. So what would you do on Valentine's Day today for your favorite Valentine? Mow the yard. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. I, I did get her a card and, and that type of thing. We were going to try and go to lunch, and it didn't work out. But, uh, yeah, I you know – I was out mowing the yard today because it's basically weeds right mm-hmm. now, and, and she's actually got a party planned for Friday, so I wanted to at least get the yard in, in pretty good shape since I won't be here tomorrow with basketball, and I thought I'd, I'd do the nice husbandly thing. And I got to thinking about this because my life, your life, Pat's life, all of our lives that are in the sports business are dictated by sports, right? So I'm I'm thinking I'm out here mowing the grass on Valentine's Day in the middle of February, smack dab at the tail end of wintertime, and I think – Even here in South Carolina, I should be allowed to use sports to prevent the amount of time I have to work in the yard. So I'm thinking I should not have to mow the grass until the Masters is done. Hmm. And then I should be able to stop mowing the yard when the Major League Baseball playoffs begin. It's about seven months. That's plenty of time, right? Yeah. If we get any cold weather that would kill off the grass, that I wouldn't have to deal with it anymore, I'd be a happy, happy camper. So I don't want to upstage Augusta. Of course, you can't. But no. I don't want to upstage Augusta. So I figure I could start mowing after the Masters and then stop by the time the boys of summer are into the fall and finished with their regular season. I think that's a fair compromise to the grass gods out there if, if they'll meet me halfway.
1: Hey, please, please. Think? When you're talking about your yard, do not mention your yard in Augusta in the same, <laughs> same breath. Okay? You're only embarrassing yourself when you There's do no that. Speaking, speaking of golf – I know where my next free round of golf is going to be, the Darlington Country Club. Oh, yeah, I saw this. The uh, commander, (laughs) and I say that in, in total jest, nobody gives you free golf anymore. The commander, Kerry Tharp, has joined the Darlington Country Club, further showing his commitment to the PD as a lifelong commitment for he and his wife, Debbie, But he's joined the Darlington Country Club as a co-general manager and also handling their marketing and advertising. So there you go, KT. I didn't think KT knew a darn thing about golf. Maybe
2: he does. Well, he knows how to market because being a president of any sporting venue – You've got to know how to get out and market and sell tickets and the whole nine yards. And he had to do that at Darlington, had to spearhead the campaign for both the May race and the September race. So, yeah, getting people to the golf course, I don't think, especially for a guy who's got a background in sports communication, and sports administration and sports information, I don't think he'll have a problem whatsoever getting the word out about Darlington Country Club.
1: All right, before we talk about these basketball games tonight, our phone number is 888 South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number. We'll get to calls here in just a moment. Some news out of Clemson this afternoon. This is written by Chapel Fowler from the state. Clemson defensive tackle Demonte Capehart is away from the team now. He was arrested last week for unlawful possession of a firearm on school property according to online court records. Redshirt senior defensive tackle who had come on as a player for Clemson last season, charged with carrying or displaying firearms on school property and a traffic charge for failure to exercise due care while operating a motor vehicle. So separate filings for the weapons and traffic charges were made Wednesday in the Pickens County General Sessions Court. Case is classified as a criminal case. His court dates for both charges are pending. Clemson Athletic Department spokesperson said, quote, we've been aware of the facts of the case from the start. He is not presently participating in team activities while awaiting completion of all legal and university processes, end of quote. So, of course, this brings to mind not just, you know, every school's got its own way of doing things, not saying one is the right way or the wrong way, but brings to mind what happened at South Carolina last year when they had some players on campus in the football dorm you know more or less the football dorm Mm -hmm. with weapons and they were pretty much immediately kicked off the team and kicked out of school they're gone and they're not coming back none of them are coming back so you wonder what Clemson's going to ultimately do in this case you know I guess every school handles things differently South Carolina moved quickly and dismissed I think it was three right it was um it was Rose, it was Rames, and it was the freshman Upshaw. I think those were the three, only three involved in that case. And they were dismissed from uh, school, ultimately dismissed from school, and immediately suspended and then dismissed from the football team.
2: Yeah, Um Terrible situation that the uh, Gamecocks took swift action with. And my guess is once all the uh, facts come out, see what Clemson does with this. But uh, you mentioned school property versus in the dorms. I mean, is is there – are we parsing words here? I mean, if it's school property and he happens to have it out at the golf course at Clemson, is that as bad as having it in the dorm where there are other people residing? I don't know. I don't know how how schools would handle that. I think, you know, having a weapon on school property, period, is, is a no-no. So my guess is Demonte Capehart, I don't know what his uh, future holds with the Clemson program, if this is proven true.
1: Well, this report by Chapel says the arrests listed in the Clemson University Police Department crime log. That's good reporting there, man. He went and got the crime log. Mm-hmm. It took place on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson, which is near the soccer field. And close to other parts of campus and the city's downtown area. If you know where the soccer field is, it's like 500 yards from downtown, maybe a thousand yards from downtown, and you know you got dorms and everything right in there. So I mean, look, Clemson's a small place, right? Everything is close to everything. Um, K. Part posted a bond of two hundred thirty-two dollars and fifty cents for the traffic charge and ten thousand dollars for the weapons charge. Uh, this was a week ago. This happened a week ago on February 7th. So there you go. That's, um, that's a tough story. They're out of Clemson. They're going to have to deal with it. And we'll see. Listen, any kind of, in today's world, you know, we had a shooting today in Kansas City at the end of the parade, yes. and there was a fatality and several hurt. I mean, I don't blame them. I mean, uh, schools, everybody, super hypersensitive about anything related to gun possession in a situation like that. My... My feelings are, just sitting here thinking about it, I think, unfortunately for Mr. Capehart, I think his days at Clemson are going to be over as a result of this.
2: I, I don't know how if, again, if all of this comes true, and, again, we have to maintain the, you know, innocent before, uh, until proven guilty, but if all of this is true, I don't know how you can't dismiss him from the team. You're right, Phil. I mean, especially in the climate that we're in now, you've got to take a zero, zero stance on all of this type that, you know, you've got to address it and address it swiftly and sometimes harshly because uh, as we saw today in Kansas City, just a horrible situation. I mean, what are we doing? Getting shots fired at a celebration—you would assume everyone there is happy because it's the Chiefs—and mm. so just you know, it's crazy stuff. And how about the—and I've seen some video out of there. There, there are reports, and it looks like it's true from the video that some of the fans, I assume, that were there actually tackled one, if not both, of the suspects, mm-hmm. while to stop this. So props to them. They said police were in the neighborhood, but the fans were actually the first ones that got there and got these guys on the ground.
1: Yeah, I think, in fact, there might have even been more than two shooters. From what i read, multiple shooters, and you're right about that. A fan jumped on one of the shooters, got him on the ground. The shooter fended him off, started to get away. Another fan jumped on him. Then the first fan rejoined and jumped back on top of him, and they held him down until the cops got there. And the story I read from the New York Post indicated more than two. I think they said they indicated several shooters, so... Very, very tragic, sad, horrible. What can you say? There's no words to describe Mm, that. I mean, that should be nothing but celebration and happy time. Celebration and happy time. And I don't know – I'm not even going to say what do you do because – We don't know what to do. Nobody has an answer. There's no answer. There's no answer to any of that kind of stuff, you know, so I'm not even going to say what do you do. Uh, Pat, you got something uh, on Lamont Paris that you want to –
3: I do. I wanted to make sure we got this out there. I wasn't sure if you would have seen it because you're traveling, but Ohio State has fired men's head basketball coach Chris Holtman. Oh. He he is out, and he went to four NCAA tournaments. Uh, This is – this was nearing the end of his seventh season in Columbus, but they were 5-15 and 15 in Big Ten, Big Ten play last year, 4-10 and 10 this year. Haven't won a road game since January 2023. The buyout is somewhere between 14 and 15 and $15.5 million. Dollars. Cannot emphasize enough, I think we all know from the outside looking in, just how deep those pockets are in Columbus, Ohio. Well, there's already been a list of names that have come out there, and we've talked about it on this show before. What is it going to take to keep Lamont Paris here in Columbia? Certainly not saying any way should reform, there's any mutual interest or whatever, wow. but it's worth talking about. There have already been countless articles online talking about the top candidates that, that may be looked at by Ohio State. Who's number one on that list? Again, according to these writers based out of Ohio, Lamont Paris. Also, he's, he's born and raised an hour and 45 mm-hmm. minutes northwest of, of Columbus, went to school nearby there, has a lot of connections to the Big Ten, to so not just to the state of Ohio, but also to the Big Ten in general, And then there's also a number of other coaches, Dusty May at FAU, Chris Collins at Northwestern, Anthony Grant at Dayton, Josh Schertz at Indiana State, Buzz Williams, Texas A&M. So the list kind of goes on and on. Pat Kelsey is even on here from the College of Charleston. Uh, So there are a lot of other uh, candidates out there of equal caliber or maybe even with a bit longer tenure at their respective schools. But again, we talk about here, with the success Lamont Paris is finding here in Columbia at USC in just his second year, People are going to come calling. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. What is the magic number it's going to take for Ray Tanner as AD to potentially keep Coach Paris here in Columbia?
2: And Ray Tanner. My Pat Kelsey Ray is Tanner. another Ohio native, too. There you Ray go. Ray
1: Tanner. Ray Tanner, how serious are you about basketball in Columbia?
2: You better get real serious. You're you going lose to have Lamont to pony. Paris.
1: Yeah. Yep. You're going to have to pony up. You're going to have to pony up because not only does this team look uh, you know, as it looks, The future looks very bright. Mm, The future looks very bright with what they've got, you know, coming back. Now, you never know with the transfer portal, John, the way it's used right now, who's coming back. You think these guys are coming back. You hope they're coming back. And we'll see who comes back. There's no reason to think that the guys who can come back won't come back as of today. And then the people he's recruited so far and the people that he is recruiting, whoo, got a chance to have something special in men's basketball in Columbia. You better hold it together. You better hold it together. And, you know, I'd have to go back and look at the numbers and see what he's getting paid right now. And I'll do that here in just a moment. But I'm sure there's there's plenty of room for his deal to be sweetened if it gets into a uh, a bidding situation. Then again, Ohio State, like you said, deep pockets. It is the home state. Those people do tend to overpay when it comes to competing against a place like South Carolina. Though South Carolina, Ohio State came after Don Staley a few years ago, right? And I think the Gamecocks held their feet to the fire and did what was necessary to, to keep her. So he, he has a contract that um, he signed March 24th of 2022. It runs through March 31st of 2027. This is the initial contract. And ultimately, it's going to end up paying two point six in his last year. It goes up a hundred thousand dollars. So after this year, like this year, he's making two three through the end of uh, March of this year. Uh, so for next year, he's scheduled to make two four. So if things continue to go like they are, and they make the tournament, maybe win a couple of games or even go deeper, I would think that you would take the last three years because. It's peanuts, which are giving him a raise to $100,000 raise after a year like this and the sellouts and all that. So I would say you take that, you tear it up, you probably go to somewhere in the neighborhood of four million. If you believe in them and believe in what they're doing program rise, I think you 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 tear it up and go back starting for next year. Start at four million and then increase from there. What do you think?
2: I've had no problem with that because I think aside from Don Staley, I think Don Staley has been the greatest hire that USC has ever made in coaching. It would be hard to argue otherwise. But if you just watch what Lamont Paris does, if you listen to him talk, the guy understands the game. He knows what he wants to see from his team. He knows how to develop a program. He turned Chattanooga around in a hurry. He's turning USC around in a hurry. If they lost Lamont Paris, I think it would be a tragic mistake on Ray Tanner's part. You've got to pay whatever it takes to keep him because that guy is going to build a winner, and I think he can build a sustainable winner, not a situation where they go to the NCAA tournament once every eight, nine years. I think it's a situation where they would contend to go, maybe not every year because it's never happened around here, but certainly once every two years, maybe once every three years, and I think Gamecock fans will be thrilled with that. And I mean, what are you going to do if he finds a way to win the SEC this year? I mean, that's right. not out of the realm of possibility, especially if they find a way to win tonight. They would have two of the greatest road wins in, in the SEC this season, at Tennessee and then at mm. Auburn. Yep. I mean, you've you got to pay the guy. you got to yep. keep him. I don't care what it takes. You've got to find a way to keep him.
3: Yeah, And, guys, just to add to this, you mentioned women's head coach Dawn Staley a few times. I can't help but wonder what her influence may be in keeping Lamont Paris here in town. She has essentially shown the blueprint in Columbia, if you build it, they will come, to use the old Field of Dreams reference. She has built a program here. Essentially, you could call it a dynasty. That's probably debatable at this point. But she, no doubt, has one of the top three, what, at worst programs right now in women's basketball in the country, and they've led the country seven, eight, nine years in a row now in attendance. She has shown, if you build it here in Columbia, the Gamecock fans will come, and they will fill out the Colonial Life Arena every night. And now we're starting to see that with the men's games, with the product Lamont Paris is putting on the court there. I can't help but wonder what influence Dawn Staley may have. She seems to be very supportive. You see her sitting courtside or very low seats, very good seats, at a lot of the big USC men's games. And these two programs seem to really support each other well. They're at each other's ball games, and just can't help but wonder about the relationship between these coaches. And if I'm Ray Tanner, I'm going to her and pleading with her if it comes to it. Help me convince him to stay here. Help me convince him that this is just as good of an opportunity, if not better, as going to Columbus, Ohio.
2: And I think, Phil, we also should look at the societal impact that Lamont Paris can have. First, black head basketball coach in South Carolina, a place in the deep south, and the job he is doing, plus alongside Don Staley. I mean, they can make a major impact not just on the floor, but also off the courts in what they're able to do. And he's too good a commodity, I think. Much like if Don Staley ever left, that would be critically bad for USC basketball. I think, I think you're starting to look that direction. I don't want to over, get over my skis here with Lamont mm-hmm. Paris, but I think the guy is a winner. And if, if it comes down to a situation where Ohio State does come knocking on the door, Ray Tanner's got to slam it shut. Well, this may, this may speed up the process, too. I mean, if you're Ray Tanner, you don't have to wait till the
1: season ends. To do no, something. do it you know, tomorrow. They've got a week off coming up after they play LSU Saturday. They're off all next week. That's their mandated one week off before they play again the next Saturday. Perfect time to have a sit-down with your men's basketball coach and hammer out a new deal or with his agent and get it done, don't you think? Because at the very worst, they should split tonight and, they, you know, an LSU Saturday. That would put everybody in a pretty good mood. They'd be at 22 wins. I mean, I'm not discounting them winning here tonight. They're 11-and-a-half-point underdogs. Could happen. Did the same thing at Tennessee. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is going to take a tremendous effort tonight, mm-hmm. a tremendous Agreed. effort to win this game. So you, you got that week. Why don't you get together with your people and, and go ahead and get it done and, and take him off the market? That's what you need to do. You need to have a sign out there to people. that This hands off my coach. He's my coach. He's not going anywhere. And what's $4 million for a school that's in the SEC that is part of a deal that, you know, just signed with ESPN for how many billion for the football playoffs, and that money will will be shared among the, the 16 schools, uh, and they're going to be increasing their, buy, their payout to about, what, 70-something million here in a year or two? Um, yeah, I would go ahead and get that done if you're serious about keeping your basketball program as a top 15 program.
2: And, Phil, if you just want to look at it from on-the-court success, they win tonight, or LSU, their next win will match the program's record for the best turnaround from a previous season to the next season in school history. I mean, he's going to shatter that. It's an 11-win improvement from last season will be tied for the best single-season turnaround, uh, the and. Uh, 2020- 2004 team won 11 more games than the 0 uh, team did. Yeah. I mean, he's going to shatter that. He may win 15, 16, 17 more games than they did last year.
1: Yeah. Plus, I really don't mind spending somebody else's money. It's not my money. <laughs>
2: exactly. Yeah, come so, on USC, open up the checkbook. If I'm reading mil-
3: this correctly, though, there are currently only five SEC men's head coaches that do make north of $4 million. Just throwing that out th- I'm sorry, six. So, throwing that out there.
1: Nothing wrong with seven. If you want to keep them, We'll be back. Gary Gilmore coming up. Okay, we're back on Sports Talk. We are here at Neville Arena at Auburn, South Carolina, Auburn. Going to tip off at 8.30 Eastern time, 7.30 here in the uh, central time zone in Alabama. Coach uh, Coach, uh, Gary Gilmore from Coastal Carolina coming up in just a second. Uh, Some news in high school football. Big news. Dan Jones from Gaffney is going to retire after this coming season, 130 and 51 over 14 seasons. Clay Lewis is going to retire at Chesney High School at the end of the school year. The school district announced that. And Travis Miller told Pete Yannity he's stepping down as head football coach at Wade Hampton after five seasons to become the AD at York High School. So there you go. Uh, Folks announcing their retirements. None of them had the good sense to do what Coach Gary Gilmore did, (laughs) to our surprise, last year and drop the bomb on sports talk so the entire world would know about it at one time we got him for one more year this is our final uh, preseason, prior to the season interview with coastal baseball coach Gary Gilmore welcome in sir how are you we hope you're doing well
4: I'm doing outstanding so how are you doing
1: we're terrific thank you for joining us and well first of all, most importantly, how are you feeling? How's everything coming along for you
4: oh, I just uh just went to uh and my uh, went to Houston last week for for three days and went through all my tests and all that and uh, my cancer is all uh, it's, it's still been held in place, totally stable uh, you know where it's at and uh you know good Lords give me another day each day i I, I cherish every second of them. Is that
1: something you ordinarily do prior to the season, go and get one more uh, big check, bef- check up before you get into uh, the, the season and you're all tied up with that?
4: Uh, basically, they have me on a 90-day regimen every 90 days I go, uh, just so that you know. Uh, even though I do monthly tests and all that kind of stuff, uh, the, the real in-depth scans and things they do every 90 days out in Houston, the be able to compare where it was when we started to where it is now and you know i've been very blessed with uh after my 14 months months of chemo it's uh maintenance drug has held it all in place and uh you know my, my guy thinks i can uh hang in there for a good while so that that's uh you know i'm very encouraged by it I, i've been you know very blessed uh to be able to uh, go out to Houston, that, that place is incredible, what, what what they're able to do.
1: Well, that side of your story, obviously, is an amazing story, and it's good to hear Indeed. that everything is going well. As you go into this season, what are your – and I know it's a long season ahead, and we'll get to that part later on about how you're feeling at the very end, but as you go into your final season, <laughs> how are you feeling about it being your final season where you know along the way – Things that you do will be the last time you do them, whether it's in Conway or somewhere else.
4: Yeah, uh, I'll be honest. I haven't, uh, you know, if if people didn't remind me of it <laughs> all the time, I don't I don't think about it very much. I mean, I, I'm trying to coach the way I've always coached, and uh, you know, I, I'm not thinking about whatever being the last time I do it and this. Now, nah, I mean, you know, I it just uh, I you know. <laughs> I don't know what the Lord has in and you know ha, has for me moving forward once it all ends or whatever but you know I I'll find something that you know I can be productive and uh you know continue to try to do everything I can to make a difference in the world before before I'm not here anymore and um you know I I'm just enjoying a great group of kids and you know a great coaching staff that I have uh Beside me and, and and with me all the time, so you know, it just—I'll be honest with you, I, I don't, I I don't think about it, you know. I, I I'll be honest with you, I don't talk about it with the players either. I mean, you know, it's, uh, you know, this year is about them, not about me. So I uh, you know, I just want to, I want to enjoy it. I want to compete, and you know, I, I, I'm I'm one of the worst losers in the world. So you know, hell, I I'm you know, I'm ready to compete, and <laughs> let's get after it and see what happens.
1: Absolutely. Visiting with Gary Gilmore, Coastal Carolina baseball coach, and uh, you got some talent on this team based on what the folks are saying about this team and All-American uh, teams that have come out here in the preseason. How do you like the uh, the look of this team coming out of camp and getting ready for the opening of this season on Friday? I
4: mean, it, this is this is going to be a you know very competitive team. We've we, we've had the misfortune of having some injuries to the pitching guys, so you know we we got to kind of regroup and figure some things out in that rare in that area, you know, the position player club, you know, could could potentially be, you know, one of the better ones we've had. So, you know, we're going to have to rely on them for a little while until we can figure out what, you know, what what adjustments we need to make. I mean, you know, we, we lost, uh, you know, we, we lost two of our starters from last year that, that you know, we knew they were out, but uh, we've also lost. Two of our very best bullpen guys, uh, you know, for the season. So that that, – it just, you know, it's just one of those things that, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. You just, you know, it's next man up. And, you know, I think we have ability. Uh, We we just – I just can't tell you right this minute that uh, we've figured out now what what the roles will be for everyone. Some guys are going to have to make some adjustments and some things that, you know, that – we had planned on being able to do so but uh you know i think this team will respond you know i i I do think it has enough talent to to challenge at a high level even with the even with the absence of the guys we've lost
2: Ghost ahead baseball coach Gary Gilmore with us here tonight on Sports Talk. Sean Clears open up the uh, brand new baseball season this weekend with their annual baseball at the beach tournament. And coach, you're talking about guys uh from the pitching staff like Matt Potok and Jacob Morrison and Darren Horn and Matt Joyce. In terms of going into your bullpen now and possibly pulling spot starters out, how are you going to handle that rotation early and then what do you hope to see out of that group as we get closer to uh, Sunbelt conference play? I mean, we're just
4: we're just gonna have to just keep Chris we're just gonna have to keep running guys out there and kind of see you know who who responds and then in, in, in what way they respond I mean we you know I, I'm not worried uh that we don't you know I'm not worried that we have a lack of talent it just mm-hmm. you know it, you know every every kid that comes to you out of high school or whatever i mean ninety nine percent of those kids have never been a bullpen guy in their life they all been starters and you know so you know Putting them in in the sixth or seventh, eighth inning with a one-run lead, and you know their first time out in college, whatever. I mean, you know, we're we're gonna have some we're gonna have some challenges, and you know, there'll be a bump in the road here and there, and then you know, it's it's gonna you know make us have to be offensive, scoring runs, and, and you know, one of the things I thought we didn't do as well last year as we have in the past. I don't feel like we. We defended, and it didn't show up in stats as far as errors go. We just, we we didn't cover the ground and the spaces out there to get the balls that, you know, we, we, we need to in the outfield and in the range in the infield was suspect to, uh, to defend at a high level. So, I'm hoping that you know we're going to be better in that at that. That you know, hopefully we can pick the pitching staff up a little bit by by being better defensively all around and. You know, it 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 just comes down to you know, guys throwing strikes and not walking guys and hitting guys and all that mess. And you know, I think our offense, you know, I think we'll you know we'll have an offense that'll that'll score
2: some runs as time goes on. That may be the understatement of the day. Your offense may score thirty runs a game, Coach, with uh, Bowdye and Beach and and Bender just with that group alone. Those three guys. How much? How confident are you about your offense, knowing that you can write them into the uh, starting lineup virtually every day and send them out there?
4: Uh, I mean, it's it's you know it, it's a it's a major blessing to have all those guys. I mean, you know, Graham Brown, uh, you know, he's in a big big. Bat force as well. I mean, you know, uh, Barthol has been a been an incredible player for us a year ago. Uh, the
5: Kid we brought
4: in uh, Antonasi from uh, from Illinois. He was a JUCO Player of the Year. I tell you, he's 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 been really good. Look for him to do some really good things. So, you know, I think I think I think we have some you know the nucleus to have some guys that can do things. It's you know the 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 biggest piece and something we've tried to have a ton of pride with over the years is being very diversified in our offense. You know, we've kind of become more of a, you know, more of a power laden team than we were a few years ago, even though we hit home runs, you know, 10 years ago, we we hit more of them now. I think pretty much everybody does, but, you know, we're trying to get back to, you know, where we still, you know, 125, 130 bases and also be able to use our, uh, you know the ability to dump the ball on the ground and, and have some athleticism throughout our lineup and stuff. So, you know, so that you know if they do keep the ball in the yard, we can find other ways to score and win. And uh, you know this this team has a lot of a lot of good elements about it. And uh, you know I, I love the makeup of the team. I think I think we'll be very competitive in, in, in the games as far as how we compete, and how we go about things.
2: You've never been one since you've been at Coastal afraid to play anybody, anytime, anywhere. Coach, just looking at your schedule this season, this one appears to be, at least to me, one of, if not the most difficult schedules you've ever had. Did you do that because you're confident in what you had returning, that you feel like this will challenge your team before you get into conference play and certainly hopefully when you get into NCAA tournament play? No, I
4: think I, I think I did that by accident, not not <laughs> – I did it before, I did it before I announced my retirement, you know. <laughs> that 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 was a bad move on my part. <laughs> oh man. You, you know, the thing the thing people don't realize though, you know, honestly, I mean, 2 years ago, we had I think the second or third most difficult out of conference schedule in the country. Last year it was either one or two again. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like playing in the SEC. I mean, you know, whether you're playing the best team or the, uh, the tenth place team, it's it, 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 every every weekend's a battle. Every midweek for us. I mean, you look at look at where our school is and the incredible ACC and SEC schools around us. And you know, even you know, <laughs> you look you play Big South people like like Campbell and and Upstate. I mean, you know, these the, these teams are awesome. You know, so uh, you know it. it I think I'm one that believes that you you, you you learn to be good by being forced to play good all the time. You know, if you play really good people all the time, you 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 can't have off days. You have to play at a very high level, and you know when you when you have to bounce around from high level to low level and and things like that. I th- I think it 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 really messes with you. So I, I'm gonna. Always, at least when we played, to make it as very difficult as we can. And you know, last year, man, our league was so difficult. It's probably the best, you know, that that Sun Belt league has been in years, uh, top to bottom. It was very, very good. So, we'll see. You know, I know everybody lost a bunch of guys. We were one of the few teams that, you know, that didn't lose quite as many people. So, you know, I know Troy's got a got a really good club, and you know, there's there's several others. But I mean, last year you know our, our our league rpi was really good
1: so who do you run out there this weekend as you open the season at, with baseball at the beach as chris alluded to who you got going out there
4: uh we're going to we're going to run uh riley icoff uh out there um you know, on friday and uh meckley kid a transfer from Potomac state on saturday and uh ryan lynch uh kid out of california on sunday and you know, um, like I said, I'm, you know, my my biggest concern right now is 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 trying to figure out how to mix and match. You know, the the other seven or eight, ten guys that we got to run out there on top of them, and you know, like I said, it's going to be a little bit of a a learning process of, you know, whose stuff really really plays well after the starter. You know, who who's who forces the hitters to make significant changes in their approach for one time through the order and then who do you go to after that we're just you know we 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 thought we had a lot of that kind of planned out of how to use some guys and now you know now this is you know knowing, knowing that you know you two of the very best guys you have are, are out of the mix and you know we lost we lost Joyce last year the poor kids gonna have to have Tommy John surgery a second time and, and I, I, my heart goes out to him, man it's it's hard mentally to 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 get through one year of not playing, and uh, you know it's it's really difficult to have to suck it up and do it twice.
1: Who's the other one you lost?
2: Darren Horn, not the coach, Phil, the, the pitcher. I get that out of Bluffton. <laughs> six, oh, four, yeah, yep. six four.
4: Yeah, Yeah, and so yeah, he he. he, he you know, first half of the year last year, he, he had he had some of the most impressive stats in the country, and uh, you know his his you know he, he he had a good summer in the Cape. Not not a fantastic summer numbers wise, but I mean his stuff is his stuff is elite. Uh, you know his, his spin rates and all the things that you know big league people look at. I mean they're they're elite. His elite stuff, and you know we were hoping he would kind of have a breakout numbers year for us. Uh, coming into this year so you know it definitely definitely is a blow to us but you know I mean it' just, you know there's there's two or three young kids that have fantastic stuff that uh, you know we're they're, they're just going to grow up a little faster
1: well we want to thank you for being with us once again have a great year a healthy year a great year on the field looking forward to going through it one more time with you here on sports talk we'll talk to you many times and I'll get started this weekend. And we appreciate your time as always, Coach.
4: Thank you, Coach. Listen, guys. Thank you, fellas, very much. I look forward to seeing you. We got Conway. See you.
5: When trouble comes like the accidents do We all get sick and the bills pile too There's only one number that can help see you through And if you're healthy, here's what you should do Call 605-7905 That's the number that you need to know 605-7905 $0 $0 deductible What's a deductible you say That's the price you have to pay Before the insurance will say We'll help you They keep that number out of reach Because they know that you won't reach That number because they know You're healthy 605 $0 deductible 605 7905 seven to seven is the area code you've put in the work for your education
2: the extra early extra late extra extra work that's because you understand education opens doors to better pay better opportunities and a better you being educated about playing the lottery is no different it helps you be a better player one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check the lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at com slash better you. Look no further than Founders Federal Credit Union for all your mortgage loan needs. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or upgrading your space, Founders has many loan options to fit your lifestyle and your budget, such as low fixed and adjustable rate and flexible terms. Plus, Founders never charges PMI, private mortgage insurance. Our mortgage loan officers are here to answer your questions and help you start the home buying process. Stop by an office or visit foundersfcu.com to apply for a mortgage today. Federally insured by NCUA membership qualification required. Terms and conditions apply. Equal Housing Lender.
1: All right, thanks again to Coach Gary Gilmore for being with us. Beautiful day here in Alabama, driving down to Auburn, kind of heading down to the Gulf Coast of Alabama, if you want to keep on going down 85 to Mobile, which reminds me that I don't want to go to the Gulf Coast. I want to go to the Grand Strand of South Carolina, best beaches in the world right there in Pawleys Island and Garden City and Myrtle Beach and all up and down the Grand Strand. And you can make your plans for the summer for a great beach holiday by calling... Jimmy Smith at James Smith Real Estate. That number is 843-237-4246. Or online at com. Let Jimmy take care of you and your family and put you in the right spot at the right budget. That's 843-237-4246 for your perfect beach getaway.
2: All right. Um, Speaking of getaways, yes. you let Coach, you let Coach get away before I could ask him. I want an autographed Gary Gilmore bobblehead. Oh, yeah. That's what they, that's what they are giving to a season ticket buyers at Coastal this year as a promotional tool uh, to get a Gary Gilmore bobblehead. And maybe That'd members kind of, of the cool, broadcast crew, it? maybe members of the Chanticleer <laughs> Sports Network. That'd be awesome. I would, I would put that up there proudly with my CCU memorabilia. That may be my most prized possession that I have from the school. Yeah. And autographed. Not just a regular. I want an autographed Gary Gilmore bobblehead
1: well that would be very valuable too very (laughs) very valuable all right before we hit the top of the hour Gamecock Larry of course has been hanging on so let's see if hopefully he didn't fall asleep this time Gamecock Larry welcome into sports talk how are you
6: Thank you, Mister Phil. Why did you? Why you always put me on before you go 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 on hold? You ain't gonna give me no time. But uh, I woke up this morning at twelve thirty. Couldn't go to sleep a of neuropathy and had too much on my mind. So I got up and been wheeling around here in my wheelchair. Didn't even listen to the radio this morning. Didn't even call in. But my buddy called me about 10 o'clock and said some guy from Auburn called, and he got a, talking about, well, he said some things about me. I don't care what he said about me, though. Mm. But he said the game cost this and the game cost that. But he said, Auburn ain't lost a game at home in quite a while. Mm,
1: that's right. And
6: he said, 16
1: in a row, I he think. He
6: said, okay. He said, Texas AM and we got the 12th man in football, and said, we got the 7th man in basketball. And I'm going gonna, gonna to hope he's listening to you, so I'm going to tell you right now, yeah, you got 7 men in basketball, 5 players and 2 officials. You got that? Five players and two officials. That's why you only lost one game. But you also lost to Appalachian State, so you can be beat. And we coming to win 74-67. But if we lose, we don't lose as much as you do if you lose. Go cox. Talk to you later. Love all y'all.
1: You know, Gamecock Larry, Chris, he's as good as you are at pregame preparation. I mean, he is really – He
2: does stuff, doesn't he? I mean,
1: he knew that they – that's right. Auburn lost by five at Appalachian State. He knew that Mm -hmm. He was all over that. I'm telling you, he must get the game notes and study it like you do.
2: Well, I appreciate the compliment there. But if if Carolina is able to hold Auburn in the 60s, they will Mm. win. Gamecock Larry will be 100% correct. That will be as good a defensive game as they could possibly play to keep those guys in the 60s because, as I mentioned yesterday at home, they're an entirely different bunch. That Appalachian State game was in Boone in front of a raucous crowd, and Appalachian did that, held them to 64. And you look at the games they've lost. They they lost to Baylor in the opener. They scored 82 in that game, scored 75 in their loss at Alabama, and then scored 65 in their most recent game at Florida. Where they struggle is when they can't put up 80, 90 points a game, and that's you've got probably one of, if not the best, defensive teams in the SEC, certainly a team with the most road wins in the conference coming in there. They've just got to find a way to translate defense travels, and they're going to need it to uh, travel for sure tonight.
1: Well, I'm going to be very interested to see the battle inside between Brown from Auburn, who's very, very good, not only a good scorer but a good shot blocker, Against uh, Murray mm-hmm. Boyle's of South Carolina, the freshman stepping into this kind of a situation. Of course, again, he he faced this situation at Tennessee with twenty something thousand, and they they took care of their business. But now, you know, people have to really be uh, on alert about Murray Boyle's after what he did last week thirty one points and a lot of other good stuff. And this battle inside tonight will be, I think, critical to how this game's going to turn out because both teams have quality. Uh, who can do things around the basket. Okay, we're going to hit the break here on Sports Talk, and we'll come back with more, and we'll take more phone calls as well. 888-898-2525 is our number, the South Carolina Education Lottery.
0: Lucky number. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number, 888-898-2525. Two five two five. That's 888 898 Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network.
1: Okay, we're back on Sports Talk. Sports Talk Media Network. Phil Kornblut here at Neville Arena here at Auburn. University. Fans are starting to come in. The students are getting in their spot what they call the jungle here at Neville Arena. It's going to be wild and crazy. The Gamecocks and Auburn tipping off at 8.30 Eastern time on the SEC Network. Auburn an 11.5 point favorite. Clemson and Miami getting underway tonight. They're playing at Little John Coliseum. Joseph Girard III given a basketball by Clemson commemorating point number 2000 that appropriately enough he scored last Saturday when they were playing at Syracuse Tigers are going to start their regular lineup tonight they're underway Hunter Shefflin Clark Gerard and Hall starting for the Tigers and Miami of course with Nigel Pack and they're a team that has been beset by injuries in ACC play they've had at least one starter out in their last 7 ACC games it's really hurt them but this is a team that beat clemson uh in january down at miami shot 75 percent in the second half just wore out the tigers i think clemson will be much better from that standpoint tonight chris
2: they better be or they'll lose again because Miami's talented enough to beat Clemson if, if the Tigers don't have any interest in playing defense the way they did in that second half. I mean, Miami would have beaten anybody that night the way they shot it in the second half of play, but the fascinating matchup to watch is P.J. Hall for Clemson and Shadow O'Meara for uh, Miami down inside. Those are two guys who probably, certainly P.J. Hall, I'm not sure where O'Meara stacks up, but uh, you may be looking at two first-team All-ACC performers going head-to-head tonight.
1: All right, let me get the name right on the player here at Auburn. I said Brown, his name is Broom, Jenni Broom, 6'10 center forward out of Plant City, Florida. Began his career at Moorhead State, averaging 16 and 8. Then you got Jalen Williams, grad student, 6'8, averaging 13 and 5. Also with Broom averaging about uh, two and a half blocks per game. Then you got 6'6 Chris Moore not averaging a whole bunch, 2.3. Then Denver Jones, who's 6'4", averaging about 8. And then Trey Donaldson, 6'3", averaging a little over 7. So the thing about Auburn's lineup, Chris, is that they are long and lean, kind of like Tennessee. They remind me of Tennessee in terms of their, their length across their starting five. But the Gamecocks have pretty good length. I tell you what the Gamecocks need tonight. They need Michi Johnson's jumper outside to yeah. return. They need that badly tonight, I
2: think. I think they've got to make about 11 threes and play their normal defensive game plan and control the tempo. Uh, That's what they were able to do at Tennessee. They got off to that great start against the Vols and just kept the crowd out of it, and that's what you've got to do to Auburn when you go into a road arena, especially one as hostile as Neville Arena is going to be tonight. You've got to take that crowd out of the game as quickly as you can, and one way you do it, make shots on offense and prevent the other team and play some great defense, but I think tempo is key. Bruce Pearl talked about this uh, yesterday or the day before. He said they've got to find a way to be able to get out and run and get in transition, which is something Carolina just can't allow to happen.
1: They are a high-scoring team, no question mm-hmm. about it. And if they get it going and they get the crowd going, that's going to be very, be very tough. Yeah. But, again, I keep referencing that Tennessee game. I was there for that one when the Gamecocks were not ranked, and Tennessee was ranked number five. And – that was no accident that the Gamecocks won that game that night. They played their brand of basketball. They kept the game at their speed, at their tempo, did not let Tennessee get it going, and did not let that crowd, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause them to come unglued. I mean, they held Tennessee to 59 points. That was a team averaging about 82 points a game, as I recall, at that time. Gamecocks won that game 63-59. They're on a seven-game winning streak. Um They are doing all kind of great things so far this season. Uh, Seven straight wins for the Gamecocks. That's the longest current winning streak in the SEC. Uh, Auburn has only lost 28 SEC games here in nine-plus seasons. Bruce Pearl, he loves playing the Gamecocks. He's 20-7 and against the Gamecocks in his career at Auburn and at Tennessee. Auburn, this will be the 50th meeting. Auburn's won six in a row. They lead the series 30-19, to 6-1 here in Neville Arena. So, uh, And Auburn is undefeated in 16 straight home games and are 8-1 against ranked teams. See, Chris, I've done my homework as well.
2: Nicely you, done. I'm impressed. me,
1: Gamecock, Larry. We're, we're <laughs> on top of things. We're on top of things
2: tonight. You got one other stat to throw at you because it sort of speaks to tempo. All 19 of the wins for Auburn this season have been by double figures. So Carolina's got to find a way to control the tempo and get it late in the ball game to have any chance because this team can hit you with a run you know 10 nothing 15 to two and it's over because of, especially at home once they get that crowd involved it's going to be awfully hard to shut that uh, you know that valve off yeah and so the gamecocks have to come ready to play from the opening tap especially on the defensive end and again I think they have to make probably around 11 threes if not more to uh, have a chance tonight
1: all right Clemson up 11 to eight on miami Miami had Built a, sh- a brief lead, then Clemson's run off nine in a row to go back on top. And other basketball tonight of interest to us. We got Presbyterian. Ooh, this would be a – I mean, they got a ways to go, but they're playing at Asheville, and PC is leading by 20, 43-23. That would be a huge upset in the Big South if that holds. Georgia they Tech. They out
2: to a 10 nothing lead. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good way to start it. That's what the Gamecocks need to do tonight, jump out to a 10 nothing lead to start the ball game.
1: Well, that's what they did at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Tennessee, yep. remember, they jumped out early. But it's, it just sort of – you do that, it just sort of lets the crowd know, even though they're got Tennessee got back into it, of course, you know, they didn't shut them out, but it just kind of lets the, the the home fans know, hey, you know, we're here, we're good, and we're not – Going to be intimidated. We're going to play our basketball. You're right. A good start for the visiting team. That's imperative. Mm-hmm. Georgia Tech leading at Notre Dame 7 6. And High Point leading upstate 11 2. Furman over VMI 7 4. Uh, Mercer 10 7 over Wofford. Greensboro leads the Citadel 10 0. Also coming up tonight, you got Gardner Webb at Charleston Southern. You got Tennessee at Arkansas. And you got Michigan State leading Penn State 45 45- 0. Thirty-one up in the Big Ten. Seton Hall leading Xavier 10-2. Xavier not having that great season in year two under, um, oh, what's his name? A um, guy who came from Arizona who looked at South Chris Carolina.
2: Chris Miller. And the funny part about Chris Miller is he's no, it's on not that short list.
1: Not, not Chris. It's Sean Miller. Miller. Sean, Mayer, I'm Sean sorry. Miller, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: And uh, Pat's point about Lamont Paris, one of the other guys I saw they had on that short list for Ohio State is Sean Miller.
1: Hmm. I could see that. I could see that. Mm -hmm. Um, All right, a few other things. How about this from the ACC today? By the way, we have some open lines before we get to recruiting, and then we're going to talk to um, one of the new members of the USC football team, one of the transfers who will be coming in, and the Gamecocks will be uh, expecting him to contribute right away, Jared Brown, the former receiver from Coastal Carolina. But the ACC announced today that only 15 of their 18 teams beginning in 2025, will participate in the league basketball tournament, and the conference will also stay at 20 league games next season. But only 15 of the 18 teams will make the tournament. What do you think about
2: that? I thought the number was weird. If you don't want to invite everybody, I get that part. I, I'm more a guy who condensed the tournament, not expand it. But why 15? I mean, are you still trying to pay homage to Notre Dame and you, that's the original 15 before you started adding SMU and Cal and Stanford? I mean, uh, why not drop it back? Now you've got the ultimate opportunity to go back and say go down 14, maybe 12. You invite just 12. Make the regular season really mean something in the ACC. Mm. They want to talk about how competitive the league is top to bottom. That's fine. You want to make it really competitive. Tell them only 12 teams are going to the ACC tournament. And if you're outside the ACC tournament, chances of you getting into the NCAAs are pretty slim. I would have gone in reverse, not, not left it at 15. Yeah, but then
1: again, you know, from a league standpoint, you want to look at it as giving teams who might be on that bubble a chance to go win a game or two. That it might. Just get them in the NIT at the very least. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, if you're a, if you don't make your your league tournament, and say you're a game under 500, you got a chance to win a couple of games to get over 500 or get to 500, you're dead. Your season's over. Then you know, which it probably should be anyway. Right. But and the ACC today approved for 2024 football uh, teams to provide access to in-game video. Enhancing ability to make in-game adjustments. Also, teams will provide access to coach-to-player communication devices, allowing for one-way communication between the sideline and the players on the field.
2: Thoughts? So, a microphone in the helmet of the quarterback—is that that where we're headed? Like the NFL has, and a microphone in the helmet of the—I guess the linebacker or the whoever signals in the defense. Yeah. That's where we're headed with the ACC. I think if you've got the technology available and, you know, at one point in time you don't want to start adding this kind of stuff because the NCAA was going to try and legislate already. Right, if Clemson and South Carolina can have it, how in the world are we going to also get Newberry to have it? You know, But at this point in time, that, that horse has left the barn so long ago with regards to money. If you've got the technology, why not utilize it? It seems to work really well in the NFL. And, hey, that might eliminate – I wonder – if part of this is to help eliminate the sign-stealing issue we had with Michigan this year.
1: Yeah, I get that. I'm not sure I'm a big fan of all this electronic stuff coming into play. I mean, come on. What's wrong with the old days of signaling in plays and trying to disguise your plays or fool your Mm -hmm. opponent and having the quarterback trot over to the sideline to get the play? I I mean, come on. To watch a guy on the field put his hands to his – to the ear holes in his helmet, so he can hear the guy talking to him. I mean, we're just taking the more and more of the human element out of it and turning everybody into a robot, into a computer game. That's what we're turning everybody into. Let's get some people. Then, let's get some humans back involved in this thing. Not that I mean, oh humans gosh, are Phil, involved.
2: Humans. You I mean you want mistakes allowed? You mean, yeah. You want I mean, officials not to be perfect.
5: Yeah. You know, we got
2: <laughs> we replay everything now. Last night, the end of the the Syracuse-North Carolina game must have taken 10 minutes because they reviewed every ball that got batted out of bounds to make sure the clock was right and the possession was right in a game that ultimately, I think Syracuse won by 10. Mm. I mean, let's legislate some common sense into the game as well. That would be nice. Yeah, Let's go that route first.
1: Well, I mean, replay is is not going to go anywhere. Uh, It's only going to get expanded as everything else expands. And, I mean – Listen, part of the beauty of sports is, was living with bad calls. Uh, that's part of it, but we're we're taking that all out of it. We're, we're whitewashing everything, and I, I, I get it that you want it to be right, but, you know, when you take five minutes to review a play, an official makes a call, say it's a catch along the sideline. Was he bobbling the ball? Did he have... Did he have grasp of the ball? Did he have his feet down? Whatever the case may be, they take five minutes to, to replay that thing, and it's just a, a, a the, the official makes a call, and it's like a, a a centimeter off. You know, you could just see you could just see the toe touching the white line. Let's say they ruled him in bounds. You just barely see the toe. You know, in real life, at real life time, with a human making that judgment call, it could go either way. Mm -hmm. And we take all this time to see if he got it right. And it could have, even on the replay, it could have gone either way. My point is, it does slow down the whole process. It does take a good bit of the human element and the drama out of the game from that standpoint. I tell you what I hate, and we're going to have this one day, and I'm sure people won't care. We're going to have a Super Bowl end on a replay, right? We're going to have a Super Bowl. We're going to have an official call a touchdown on the last play of the game, and they're going to review it. So you're going to have a team celebrating, thinking they won. Last play of the game, they're going to have a team celebrating, thinking they won. They won. It was a pass near the back line of the end zone. He was juggling a little bit, and his foot was near the line. You know, they, they signaled touchdown, game over, celebration, but now it goes upstairs, and they overrule,
2: and the other team wins. <laughs> We're going to have that, right? That's going to happen. The NFL's worst nightmare right there. That would be by far the worst thing that could possibly happen, that you have a Super Bowl decided on a play like that, and five minutes later we actually find out who won the game. That that, And I think you're uh, ultimately you would think laws of physics and laws of average would tell you ultimately sometime that's going to happen. And by the way, Syracuse won by seven last night, not ten, so excuse me. Oh, you made a mistake. Made a mistake. <laughs> so is that, a, is that a good win for Clemson or a bad win for Clemson since they beat both North Carolina and yeah, Syracuse? Really. I, mean, I think how do, kind how of, do you kind of factored that into the net.
1: I think it kind of blends like it blends its way out. You know, the kind of it's a wash. It's a wash. Mm-hmm. Uh, poll question of the week, which is available for you on our on our X. Got to quit saying Twitter. I mean, you can't keep calling it Twitter. It's not Twitter anymore. It's X All until right?
2: they change the uh, the the web handle. That's true. when I can still type in, I can't type in x.com, and and I'm afraid to. Can I go to Twitter? (laughs) I know I can type in (laughs) twitter.com and go there.
1: (laughs) That's funny. So our, our poll question of the week, baseball season opens on Friday. Which team in the state do you think is the most likely one to finish the season in Omaha? Though I left off the E in the word one. Way to go, Corn. Uh, which is the most likely one to finish the season in Omaha. 613 votes are in. Gamecocks still have a hefty lead, 62.5%. Clemson's at 21%. Coastal Carolina, a lot of fans like the shots, 15.3%. And the College of Charleston getting a little bit of a push here. They're up to 1.1%. We'll have Coach Chad Holbrook with us tomorrow night, 7.30, to preview his team. So... Hey, Coastal Carolina getting some support from some um, some parts of the state thinking they're going to make it all the way to Omaha.
2: I think that's a very good possibility because, as Coach Gilmore just pointed out, they can, if they can figure out the pitching, and certainly those injuries are a concern, but they're going to score 10 runs a game. I mean, that offense is just insanely good, especially with the guys he referenced they have coming back. I, th- I think Coastal's got as good a shot as anybody in the state to get back to Omaha, and wouldn't that be fitting? the final year of Gary Gilmore, he gets them back to the uh, College World Series one last time.
1: Talk about conspiracy theorists. They'd be all over that, right?
2: <laughs> There's no doubt. And they're actually going to Omaha. You were talking uh, on Monday to Jim Toman that you're going to have to buy him a mistake if uh, one of our teams got out there. Well, Coastal's actually going there during the regular season. They play a two-game set against Creighton. So does that count? You owe Coach Toman a uh, tomahawk steak because well, we certainly that's will not have exactly
1: one team out the there. trip to Omaha we're all <laughs> thinking about. You know, it's nice I to buy it. your way out to Omaha. It's another thing to earn your way out to <laughs> Omaha. So, okay, let's go to the break, and we've got Jake behind the board right now as he learns to push the buttons and turn the dials, doing a great job. And uh, as we go to break, we'll tell you Clemson, Miami. It's eighteen fifteen Tigers, and so far. For uh, Clemson, leading the way for the Tigers with five points is Gerard. Clemson shooting 50%. Miami is shooting 40%. Give you the recruiting report after this break.
0: Major Billy Downer here from the Department of Natural Resources, and DNR is excited to announce the implementation of Go Outdoors SC, a new online licensing and boat titling system that you can access right from your phone. Through this new system, customers can purchase their hunting and fishing licenses, renew their boats, apply for lottery hunt opportunities, and complete electronic harvest reporting requirements. For more information, visit Go Outdoors SC at your local app store. last throw, big guy. Come
5: on, baby. I need me a giant bear. I got this. I'm the target. Ben, throw. Oh, yes! Oh,
0: well. Look who won a giant bear.
5: (laughs) That's a grizzly. Oh, mama's baby bear.
0: When you join the South Carolina Education Lottery's Players Club, you get way more than you expect. More chances, more wins, and more surprises. Yeah, he's had all his shots.
5: Just don't look him in the eye. Join
1: the Players Club at SEeducationLottery.com because more happens here.
3: George Bryant for Tsunami Bar Sports, our inventor. David Abernathy has always said
0: tsunami bar technology allows us to take the training to the grass. Now I know through my sport of golf that natural agility can be converted to athletic ability. And why is this tsunami, Robbie? transferring the training to the grass, this may be the most undervalued characteristic of the Tsunami Flexible Bar technology. The Tsunami Bar action loads and unloads at the concentric and eccentric transition points. This is what we call reversal forces, and the Tsunami Bar is the only bar and training device that I know of Can train these reversal forces adequately at speed. Hey, this is Phil Kornbluth. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific
1: training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait, order today. all right let's give you the recruiting report tonight right here right here on sports talk it is brought to you by our good friends over at seawells make sure you get by the rest of this week if you haven't done so or if you have done so nothing wrong with going back for seconds get back to seawells for the daily luncheon buffet you like that huh going back for seconds yeah Give back for seconds or thirds. I'd go three times. Get to Wells for the daily luncheon buffet every day, 11 till 2, when they're open, which is most every day, though sometimes they are closed for a, a private event. And, of course, it's only $14, and they have the best food in the state of South Carolina. So check them out. And for catering, you just want to give Wells a call and let them handle all your catering needs, from planning to set up to delivery, to clean up. They do it all. That is Seawells. 803-771-7385. Online, SeawellsCateringSC.com. An update on receiver Malik Clark from Rock Hill, 6'2 and 180. Caught 46 passes for 800 yards and nine touchdowns last season. He's garnered nearly 30 offers thus far. South Carolina is on board with him, while Clemson is becoming more interested. Right now he says he's an open book. He's looking around. He's looking to be uh, in a school that's competitive, opportunity to play with a good education. The Gamecocks had been on him for a long time. He was there last spring for a visit, last summer for a seven-on-seven. He took in a pair of games last season. He was in for their January 20th junior day. He also had Shane Beamer at his school in January, and he's been commuting, uh, communicating with the Gamecocks head man, really likes him, likes the fact that he senses him as a normal coach not some kind of, you know big star, just a normal guy he likes that, he likes the coaching staff he likes the people around South Carolina he says he's also gotten to know the new receivers coach James Coley, he said they talk almost every day, Coley told him he was his first offer at South Carolina and told him he's a special guy he likes how he can get in and out of his breaks and he feels like He can elevate his game. Now Clemson is becoming more interested. He's had contact with receivers coach Tyler Grisham, and he plans to attend the Tigers next junior day on March the 9th. He said it's just kind of new with Clemson. They're just kind of getting started and figuring things out. But he's been to their camps the last two years, and he said the receivers coach reached out personally to him about a month ago. Clark also wants to visit Tennessee and Indiana this spring. He's not set any officials, but he said USC will be one of those stops. He also has offers from Nebraska, Maryland, Coastal, East Carolina, Duke, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Virginia, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, NC State, West Virginia, and Cincinnati. One more note, safety Jonte Gilbert of Atlanta has set an official visit with South Carolina for June 7th, reported by Chad Simmons of On 3. He's a guy South Carolina and Clemson are both getting after. He's got South Carolina down. The only official he has down on paper now, and that's South Carolina on June the 7th. There you go with the recruiting report for tonight, brought to you by Seawells. All right, up at Clemson, 23 18, the Tigers continue to lead the Hurricanes of Miami. Miami's won for their last eight, and Gerard, with a couple of threes, he's up to 10 points to lead all scores in this one. We're back after this break here on Sports Talk. Welcome back, Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network, from here at Neville Arena at Auburn. Be sure to follow our coverage on our X at Sports Talk. That sounds like you're divorced when you say at our X. <laughs> like, go follow. Just I'm not divorced. Twitter. Okay, I got 45 years in. So when you say follow at my X. Just, that just, that does damn, Corn got divorced. His wife That's is our putting out.
2: sports talk show.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Follow on Twitter if you still want to call it Twitter. Follow on Twitter uh, at Sports Talk SC. And, of course, uh, we'll have post game for you on our website, sportstalksc.com. You know, they just put the Clemson game on the big screens here inside Neville Arena. How about that? They got the wow. Clemson Miami game playing. Uh, in front of us on the big screens, 25-19 Clemson. It's been a while since Miami last scored. They're one for their last eight. Um, no field goals for the last uh, 222. Is that for Miami? Now they have scored. It's 25-21. Clemson with 654. We've got coverage of the Clemson game as well. We have a uh, reporter there from Tiger Net who's covering for us, and so we'll have that for you as well. In fact, um, should be tweeting on our Twitter, X. They are. And uh, we'll have postgame uh, audio from Brad Brownell, and a postgame story as well. Other basketball to update, 50-35, to PC over Asheville, 17-25 to play. Notre Dame, 26-22 over Georgia Tech, late first. And high point leading upstate, 30-15, 6.52 to go in the first. Gardner-Webb, 22. Charleston Southern, 10. 6.51 in the first. Furman, 37-24 over VMI late in the first. Mercer, 31-24 over Wofford late in the first. Oh, my. Oh, my. UNC Greensboro, 31. The Citadel, 9. Yeah. Ugh. That's uh, 6.28 to go in a first half that can't get over fast enough for the Bulldogs. So, all right, let's talk some football. Jared Brown is now a Gamecock after playing at Coastal Carolina and having a fine career, 2021, 2022, and 2023. Played in 27 games with the shots. He called 108 passes, 1,534 yards, 11 touchdowns, his long A catch of 75 yards for a touchdown, averaged over 14 yards per catch, and now he's coming to South Carolina. Had a chance to talk with him last week, get his thoughts about being a Gamecock. How has the transition gone for you? You've gone from being a Chanticleer to a Gamecock, from Teal to garnet within the state. What's the move been like for you?
7: Um, you know, it's definitely been a transition. You know, coming from the Summit to the SEC, uh, just the work, just the workload, just think, just the daily things that we do. But you know, I am making the, uh, I am making an adjustment, and I think I'm heading in the right direction right now. Well, people might say, "Hey, man, running routes, catching footballs, whether
1: it's at Coastal or South Carolina, or wherever, shouldn't be all that hard." It, what's the most difficult part of the transition?
7: I would just say the the most difficult part is the uh, the physicality. Uh, the physicality uh, I know is um, more in the SEC than the Sunbelt. But other than that, you know, it's just football. So, you know, I just gotta play and be and be consistent and do what I've been doing. Sunbelt football is good football. It's not SEC but it is still good high level football.
1: So what do you think you have to do in terms of stepping up your game to the
7: SEC level? What areas of improvement and development do you need here? So what, what I need to do is uh, I need to uh, add on, you know, weight, but, like, not, not fat, but just muscle, you know, so I can withstand all those blows, you know, in the SEC. You know, um, the Sun Belt also, you know, like I also had to get bigger there because, you know, at the end of the day, it's still college football at the end of the day, you know, no matter what conference you're in but um i would say that and i would say um you know like i feel like i can i feel like i can get in and out of routes good but you know they can be better so that's kind of strength and a weakness for me because you know my speed really like helps me out get out of those breaks you know and beat that defender to that spot so i would say you know just route running and all i would need to work on just to perfect do you like going across the middle (laughs) Uh, if I can get get the ball in any way, you know, I'll do it, but yeah. You played with a great quarterback
1: there at Coastal Carolina when he was healthy in Grayson McCall. What was it like catching balls from him, and now you're transitioning to uh, in all likelihood Lenore Sellers here, so catching balls from a guy that completed about 80% of his passes and now coming into a new situation, how do you how do you view that change from one to the other?
7: Yeah, I mean, Grayson was a great, a great quarterback. You know, he knew where to put put the ball every, every time. He made the right reads. You know, I loved Grayson, but uh, but uh, Lenoris played like. Uh, uh Lenoris is a young guy, but he plays like a scene. You know, like his his balls are great. He know he knows where to put them. The timing is down. So I feel like if we keep if we keep on on the path that we're on right right now then we should have a great season in the passing game
1: when you put your name in the portal and started looking around at other schools uh why why did you choose South Carolina what was the
7: connection there what was the the primary attraction for you I mean South Carolina needed some veterans some experience and I felt like I could add add that to the room uh, uh, when I came on my official visit, they they just made me feel like home. They made me feel like I was at home. You know, they they, they were genuine about everything that they were saying, and then they gave me opportunity to come in and compete. And that and that is all I want to do. You know, the team is like a brotherhood. The uh, locker room is strong. The play the uh, guys in the locker room are uh, they love each other, and you know that's somewhere that I want to spend the next two years at. Is it a little bit easier because you're
1: new? And the receiver's coach is new, so he has no preconceived notions about
7: things. Does that kind of like open up the competition for everybody and everybody's got a fresh start? It definitely does. It definitely does. You know, this is a new coach. You know, he doesn't know know anybody. You know, the only thing that he knows about us is our film that uh, he watches. So other other than that, everyone is on a clean slate, slate right now. Everyone can compete and everyone can just, you know, earn their spot. What
1: do you think of Coach Coley? His communication style, his coaching style, how well have you two
7: connected so far? Uh, Coach Coley knows what he's talking about. Uh, he know uh, he, he's he's been at the big time schools. You know, he, he was at Texas A&M last year, so you know uh, he's 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 seen and coached some of the greats. You know, some of the guys in the NFL. So, um, hey, if he send them to the NFL, you know, any way that he coaches, you know, I'm I'm gonna like you know so. Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. What are they asking of you in their package with receivers?
7: Just, just to be that veteran, just to be that leader in the in the um in the room. Um, you know we 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 haven't really dove into you know play calling and or you know, the plays and all that, but uh, we have seen some of the formations and stuff like that. So, you know, I don't know it right now. All right, there you go.
1: Comments from Jared Brown. Nobody on this broadcast knows him better than
2: Chris Bergen. You watched him run routes from the sideline for three years. What do you like about him? Just his speed and his ability to uh, make plays. I mean, here's a guy not only you, you touched on his receiving numbers, but Phil, don't forget in his last two years at CCU, he rushed the ball 35 times for over 400 yards and scored two touchdowns. I I found it fascinating, though, that he said he felt like at least the playing weight that he had at Coastal, at least the listed weight, was just shy of 200 pounds. At six feet, that seems like a perfect weight for him, but he was talking about he needed to bulk up even more to handle the hitting in the SEC. So, I mean, if he goes up to 210, 215, does that hurt his speed? I I wouldn't want, if I'm him, I wouldn't want to sacrifice what makes me Jared Brown just so I can make sure I can withstand some hits in the SEC. I did like how he dodged your question about does he like to go over the middle. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> He's smart enough to say, well, you know, any way I can get the ball, but I'd rather not have to do that. Yeah. He's a smart kid. There's no doubt. So got to be kind of
1: cool catching footballs from Grayson McCall for the better part of three years. Mm-hmm. Now you get to go catch balls most likely from Lenora Sellers who – Again, we're all we're just talking about promise here. We don't know with him fully in charge, taking every snap, running the offense, exactly what he's gonna be like. But the promise is there and the glimpses we've had are pretty impressive. It's gotta be exciting to go from a guy like McCall to go to this young guy with a big arm.
2: I would think so, and and it I thought it was somewhat of a Interesting point he brought up that he feels like Lenore Sellers in the short period of time he's worked with them is an old guy like Grayson McCall. He, he talked about it, clearly, Grayson a veteran in the offensive coastal red up until this past season when they had the coaching change. But he talked about Lenore Sellers may be a freshman, but he doesn't play like that. He plays like an older guy. And if you're a Gamecock fan, that's got to make you extremely excited that you've got a guy who's already starting to be a veteran leader in the locker room, especially quarterback. I, I think it's going to be awfully difficult, fascinated for the spring. If there's one thing I think USC fans are going to be interested to watch during the spring, it's that quarterback battle, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's the only question mark, I think the, the, the question mark, rather, maybe not the only one, but the question mark that you have going into the spring. Who comes out of there as the incumbent starter going into the season? Well,
1: we know that Sellers will take the first snap
2: sure. as
1: a number one quarterback. It's going to be up to him and to protect what he's got. Mm-hmm. Ashford's coming in with experience as a starter in the SEC. He's a big guy. I don't know that he has a reputation of a tremendous passer. Again, Sellers' reputation is still to be determined. We know what he did in right. high school, but right. that's high school. I mean, on Joyner passed for like over 10,000 yards in high school, okay? It just never translated for him as a quarterback at the next level in college. So, Ashford's a bit of a proven commodity. Now, he's not a, a great passer based on what we saw at Auburn, but he is a guy that can throw some, and he runs extremely well. The good thing, I think, for South Carolina is you're going to have competition, which is a bit of a difference at South Carolina, say, compared to Clemson, where once again – Barring injury, it looks like it's an open and shut case up there when it comes mm-hmm. to the starting sure. quarterback job, but they make no bones about it. I mean, you got Christopher Vizina who's now gonna be ready to play after redshirting last season, but I mean they're going into year three and Dabo Sweeney uh, has no qualms in in speaking, you know, publicly about the starting quarterback situation and saying, you know, Kate Klubnik is his guy. He's going to be a great one. He, he can be a guy to take him to the next level. It's, it's as if there is no competition for the starting quarterback job there.
2: I don't think there is, and especially the way they close the season. I'm not sure you'd want to mess around in the quarterback room. It would be nice, though, and, and the fear you have from a Clemson perspective is what were, were to happen if Kate Klubnick goes down in that Georgia game to open the season, and he's out for a while. I mean, where do they go from there? You have very little, if any, experience you'd run out there behind him. And so that's the problem. It's not that they, they lean so heavily on Cade Klubnik because they just don't have anybody, I don't think, right now, ready to go behind them. Now, we may find out differently once we get into the season. But I think also the, the thing that Davo Sweeney has in his hip pocket that maybe Shane Beamer does not, Davo can say, all right, just as long as you don't mess it up, Cade, we'll turn it over to that defense and let the defense keep us in the game until the offense finally figures something out and scores enough points to win. That won't work against Georgia. No, I was about it'll to say it'll work against most teams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It won't work against Georgia in the season opener. They're going to have to score. But it'll work against most teams they play.
1: You know, when you talk about Clemson and Georgia, all right, we're already seeing some preseason polls coming out. You know, the way too early this, the way too early that. That's fine. And we're not seeing Clemson, of course, in their customary top four, top five, top six spot. You know, we're seeing projections right. of 16, 17, et cetera. So when the preseason poll comes out that matters, the AP, preseason poll i would expect we're going to see clemson outside the top 10 you know maybe a, mm-hmm. a little bit down maybe 15 somewhere in there i don't know, we'll, we'll wait and see but my point is lose to georgia and you're going to drop even deeper in the poll maybe even fall out if you lose to georgia and um of course not that that really has a, a, a huge impact on what the playoff committee will say at the end of the season if you need an at-large bid. I mean, if you go ahead and win the rest of your games and win the ACC, you're going to be in automatically. But let's just say you don't. Let's say Florida State wins the ACC again, but you have a good season. Maybe you go 10-2, and and, and you know, you're a, you're a good argument for an at-large. My point is, in, in the minds of the committee and, and the and the public, you got to work your way a heck of a lot, a long way back up in the polls to get that kind of attention because you're going to be knocked way down. Now, you know, go beat Georgia to open the season, and you're going to shoot right up into the top sure. five or seven, I would say, and be right where you want to be going forward from there.
2: Oh, I would agree wholeheartedly. But, you know, and, and where they put Clemson is going to be interesting, but I don't know that now it's nearly as important as it was this past season or the year before. With 12 teams in the playoff, the wiggle room is a lot greater. I mean, Clemson could afford to start 20th where they finished last year in the AP poll and move up and get inside the uh, the top 12. Certainly the, that won't matter when the selection committee rolls around. But, yeah, they, they'll have a ways to go if they were to lose to Georgia, but I don't think it's as big a, a weight on you this year as it was in years past.
1: Really looking forward to that game. At the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in downtown Atlanta, that place will be, it'll be rocking. I mean, look, Georgia's is going to be most likely picked uh, preseason number one once again. So, um, and this is going to be, this is going to be a a great opportunity for Clemson to pro- prove to the nation that they are still elite. I think if they lose, and let's just say they. They lose badly. There's no reason to think that way because Clemson's defense is going to be very good, Mm, Um, and they think their offensive line is going to be better, and they think that the running game is going to be strong. And maybe, you know, Klubnik definitely should take a step up with his offseason work, his preseason work. He should definitely uh, get improved, be improved. But, I mean, if they lose, if they lose, uh, they're going to have a hard time convincing people against the rest of their schedule moving forward that they're elite, you know, unless they do run the table and get back in position for an at-large bid or win the ACC championship, taking another loss to Georgia, taking a loss to Georgia like that in a primetime game like that is going to be a setback. And and maybe, you know, people are going to say there's more indication that Dabo Sweeney needs to change his ways in what he's doing in recruiting. Though, recruiting his high school players the way he is you know, he's still doing fine, and he's still, mm-hmm. he's still having highly rated classes. But I think the pressure's really on Clemson to win that game to just sort of get back to where they're used to being. Lose that game, and you've got to kind of tell people, you know, you've got to convince people verbally that we're still good and then go out and do it uh, against other teams. But Georgia gives you that great opportunity against the number one team in the country to go right out and prove it right out of the gate that you're back and you're going to be a factor this entire season.
2: Well, the funny part, and you're right, uh, Clemson probably there is pressure for them to win that game, but afterwards their schedule is a whole lot easier than what Georgia is going to have to face. And the pressure actually to me is going to be on Georgia if they are preseason number one because the, the amount of room that they'll have to slip afterwards is very, very limited. I mean, they've, they've got to go to Alabama this year. They've got to go to Texas. They've got Florida in the neutral site game. They've got Tennessee at home. But, I mean, they've got some games in there this year, unlike last year's schedule, which was a joke for a team as talented as Georgia. They've got some teams in there that they could slip up against, so that Clemson game is is about as important for them as it is for the Tigers, if maybe not even more so, for their hopes to, again. But the, the safety net is out there now. We have to look at the college football season a lot differently, I think, Phil, moving forward. You can lose a game or two and still get into the playoffs, whereas you couldn't afford to do that in the past. And that's why I think it's, it's starting to cheapen the regular season because you look at Georgia, and let's say with their schedule, and say, all right, Bulldogs, you've got to find a way. If you want to get into and don't win the SEC, you can, you can only lose two ball games But there are five in there that you could potentially – or potential swing games. Now, well, you probably lose three in Georgia's – I would think a 9-3 Georgia team probably finds a way to get into the playoffs, don't you? A 9-3 Georgia team? Mm-hmm. With their schedule playing in the SEC, with their reputation, I think they would find a way to sneak in. Whereas wow. in years past, there was no way
1: they'd gotten in. Three losses. Considering, I mean, if one of those losses is the Clemson, then you figure the mm-hmm. other two are within the SEC. Now, right. if they lose a regular season SEC game, they could still get to the SEC championship, of course, right. and then lose that mm-hmm. game. Yeah, I guess. i You know, the committee – they're supposed to be meeting and voting on, on their their format, which they, from what I've read, looks like it's going to be five automatics and seven at-large selections. Right, right. Five by seven. So, I mean, if Georgia doesn't win the SEC championship, let's say they lose in the SEC championship game, so the SEC champion will go automatically are there seven? Are there? Are there seven other teams out there at large-wise that you would take over Georgia, even with three losses? No. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good question, question that we'll be debating. We'll be debating that a lot.
2: But uh, it's one we would never have to worry about in the past because your margin for error was so slim in the past. That's why I love the uh, smaller playoffs because they made their regular season so important. Oh, now there's some leeway. There's well, a lot more leeway than there ever has been. Wait till they go to 16 in exactly.
1: the next two years. You know? Oh, yeah. They're not done. They're not no. done. Let's give everybody a trophy. Clemson leads Miami 31 30 at the break. The Tigers only one for their last 11. A 6 0 run for Miami to close out the half. Clemson 0 for 7, their last seven shots, and one for their last 11. Didn't score for the last 354. And PJ Hall. Only three points and only one shot. And, and that was a three-pointer. He played 15 minutes. What's up with that? Why yeah, is P.J. On Hall course. only taking one shot? I mean, I'm not able to watch the game closely. Right. gerard has got ten. Shefflin has not scored. He's got five rebounds. Hunter's got eight. That's very odd for the Tigers. Joseph has nine for Miami. Poplar has eight. So Clemson up one, a skinny point, 31-30. got to believe they're going to get the ball to P.J. Hall a lot. I don't know. Have you been able to watch it? Is, is Miami doing something funky defensively
2: to take him out of the game? Uh, that would be my guess. I have not. I've been able to glance on occasion. I've got it in the background, but I haven't been able to chance to, to key in on what they're doing. So I, I don't know to answer that question. But, yeah, P.J. Hall, 15 minutes, only one attempt from the field, and it's a three, so he got nothing around the basket. Yeah, that can't happen. In the sec- I will say this. If he only gets about three or four shots in the second half, Clemson's not going to win. I mean, your best player has to take more than five shots. Don't you think? Oh,
1: absolutely. I mean, I'm
2: not, I'm, I, I'm not a basketball expert by saying that, but, I mean, when you get a guy who's first-team All-ACC performer, you've got to get him the basketball.
1: Ain't no doubt. I'm sure Brownell's working on something to make sure that happens. All right, let's touch on these other games before we leave you. Asheville catching up, peddling hard on PC. 56-51, PC, 11:02 to play. Notre Dame 31-28 over Georgia Tech at the half. High point 39-31 over Upstate at the half. Charleston Southern has come back. Wow. 34-33 over Gardner-Webb at the half. VMI, Furman, Furman leads 39-34 at the half. Mercer 31-26 over Wofford at the half. And now Citadel, give them credit. They were down what was it? 31 to 9. Yeah. It's now 41-26 at the half. So, making a bit of an effort there are the Bulldogs. Okay. Reminder uh, stay on our Twitter, on our X, for continued coverage of the Clemson game. And then post-game, we'll have that for you on our website, sportstalksc.com. And same on this game, both on our Twitter and our X, Twitter X, and also on our website, sportstalksc.com. We'll bring you Lamont Paris's comments to the media. His full comments will be out quickly as soon as he uh, wraps that up. So you'll be able to hear what he had to say to the media as soon as uh, that is wrapped up.
2: Final thoughts on tonight, Chris? Well, I think obviously back to Clemson for a moment. Got to find a way to get P.J. Hall involved and knock down shots. They're playing good defense. I think Brad Brownell is probably happy about his defense right around 30 points, so that game's in the 60s. I think they'll be happy with that, but got to find a way to get your best player, the basketball. Meantime, for South Carolina, as we mentioned earlier, Phil, got to get in and off and running early. Big quick start is key to them tonight knock down 11 threes and go play defense, and I think they've got a chance. Okay. Thanks to Jake Shriver back at our studios in Columbia. Thanks
1: to Pat Daniel. And uh, thank you, Chris. Thank you, everybody, for being with us. Have a great night. See you tomorrow back in Columbia on Sports Talk.